and all the crazy. Um, so we are, uh, we're talking about heaven. We're continuing this series, um, Heaven and Hell, that we're doing on Sunday mornings. And we're doing it here where we have a little bit more time to go through a little bit more in depth. Uh, as you can see in your notes, we got a lot. And there's, well, way more than we can cover on a Sunday morning. So we're going to jump right in to heaven. One of the things I talked about on Sunday was this book uh, by Randy Alcorn. If you are like... In, in like a study heaven mode and you haven't really done much reading on it, I, I highly recommend this book, highly recommend. Uh, it's, a, it's a large book, I don't know, 300 something, 400 pages. Um, but it's not a book that you have to read cover to cover. You, you'll want to, but it's one where you look up a question and you'll be like, oh, I wanna know the answer to that. And you kind of, you just jump around chapter to chapter uh, on, on various topics. So uh, if, uh, if that's of interest to you, grab it. It's, uh, it's been out for a while now and it, it's great. It's a great challenge to, to help you um, to help you reframe or at least think about heaven. To to to, to use your mind to um, to imagine what it would be like. And so some of it is speculation uh, with certainly biblical evidence and, and a biblical reason. Others of it like, is comes straight from Scripture. This is what the Bible says, so we know this to be true. And, and based on this, here's what we project it might be like. So, so this is, is really good. If you've never read it, uh, it'll be challenging and helpful, I, I think, I hope. So uh, what, do we, what do we know about heaven? We talked about this a um, couple Sundays ago. Uh, we didn't have church this last Sunday. And uh, um, uh, by the way, was that weather not crazy? That was like, that was crazy. And I, I, was, I was one of the guys on staff, you know, we're Saturday night, we're all like texting, trying to like, what do we do? You know, these churches is canceled, this church canceled, this church canceled. We're like, nah, we can do this. And, and then I tried to like drive around the block. I'm going, I can't even like get out of the street. Like this is crazy. So, um, so anyways, a couple weeks ago, we started this in heaven and we'll continue tonight. And then we'll jump back in on this next Sunday. And, and so here we go. What do we know about heaven? We're going to go through this fairly quickly rapid fire just simply because there's so much to talk about and, and all of it is, uh, is good and maybe new for some of us. And so here's the encouragement. At the end, we'll have some discussion time, but also an opportunity for some Q&A. So if even as we go through this, some questions come up, you got notes, you got paper, that's yours, do what you want. You can write them down. Oh, I don't, this doesn't make sense. Or hold on, what is this? Can you know, talk more about this? So uh, at the end, we'll, we'll have time to do some, uh, some Q&A. Okay, number one. What do we know about heaven? First, heaven is the dwelling place of God and his angels, all right? Currently, we know this. God and his angels are in this place called heaven. Um, Heaven is the dwelling place of also God's saints from earth who have died and now live there in his presence. So uh, not only is it a place for where God and his angels live, but also saints or believers who have died and now are with him. uh, where is heaven, by the way? Any idea? Up. We just, like, right now, like, heaven, somehow, who knows, right? So, like, um, the, the scriptures will say, like, they raised their eyes to, Jesus raised his, lifted his eyes to heaven and prayed. You're going, okay, so he did that. <laughs> like, where's heaven? Well, okay, we've, we've flown in the clouds. We know it's not there. We've been to space, like, where's heaven? Um, the, our, our best understanding is this, and this is gonna, again, it's gonna be weird, um, but it, it makes sense, is that it is another dimension parallel to ours. Did, yeah, did someone, that's right, that's right. That was your first 
what moment? Where <laughs> you're going, huh? That it's, it's a, a, a spiritual dimension that, that, that what, seems, what seems to be able to happen is that spir- like spiritual beings can come in and out of this other dimension into ours and interact with ours and go back. Hence, and it, you know, even in scripture, we'll see that, that uh, angels are invisible and then all of a sudden they appear. And it's not like they flew down from a cloud in heaven. They just appeared from perhaps another dimension. So wherever heaven is, um, it seems to be up, but it seems to be a different dimension that, you know, as far up as you can go, you're still not going to get there. It's not like a physical place. So a fourth, fifth, sixth. I, I can't remember what, what, um, what uh, like scientists and, and physicists and theorists, and, um, they, what, they, what they think about the number of dimensions. I think is it up to like 11 they project, is that true? Anyone humor me? I think it's up to, I think we've, they, they hypothesize up to 11 dimensions, which, which you're going, what? <laughs> like, there's only three. Well, no, there's three that we live in and that we recognize, but, uh, but t- time is, uh, is, is, is theorized to be a dimension, which would be a fourth dimension, um, which also move. I don't know if you know this. What am I doing? We're talking about heaven, and I'm talking, theorizing about time and right how the speed of time. Um, That'll be another first Wednesday. What is time? I don't know, but Brandon sure likes to go long. (laughs) That wasn't that funny, you guys. You're not supposed to laugh that hard. Heaven is described as a city. And, and by the way, you're going to have all these references on your, on your, on your page. We're not going to nearly have time to look at the, all of these up. Uh, again, this is your homework kind of devotional to go home and look all this up and be like, oh, wow, it does describe it. It's described as a city. And the normal understanding of a city is a place of many residences in near proximity and the, habit, the inhabitants of which are subject to a common government. So, so when you think of a city, a large city, even even like a you know a world renowned great city that maybe you visit Rome or or Paris or, or or Jerusalem, like these incredible cities, and and you think of like the busyness and how people live together, and and uh, and um, and there's like different parts of the city, just like wonderful, beautiful places. The heaven is described like that, like a wonderful city, like like Portland. Sorry, anyone from Portland you're just visiting? No, Portland's like, okay, okay. I think we could do better than Portland. Uh, but heaven is described as a city, not like living up in clouds, but when you think of a city with streets, it literally has streets, and with, uh, with uh, we'll look here in a, in, in a minute, with trees and gardens, and you're like, oh, like this is an actual place. It's described as a city. So heaven is also referred, uh, referred to as a country and a kingdom. That uh, Hebrew says that, that, uh, that believers who have died looked for a different country, a heavenly country. That, that heaven is a city, but it also is maybe a nation of some kind, a country. And it's a kingdom with, naturally, every kingdom has to have a king. And so there's a king as a part of like, how heaven is described. Heaven contains a permanent inheritance, a place specifically reserved for believers. That you and I, as part of our inheritance of being followers of Jesus, get heaven. It's, 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 uh, it's what God is preparing for his followers. We also see that heaven will deliver us from the present conditions of material decay and corruption. That heaven is a, 
uh, is a, uh, a redeeming quality, has a redeeming quality for ourselves, but also for, we'll see this here in a second, for earth and for like existence and creation. Um, heaven will deliver us from the current sinful human condition. Paul talks about um, that the things right now that are imperishable or that are perishable will be made imperishable and that the things that are imperfect will be made perfect and, and how part of that, like, like in God's like grand scheme that heaven is, is, uh, will be the um, kind of the, the, final, the final process in which God removes and eliminates and deals with completely forever the sinful human condition. All right, it's good news. It's good news, it's great news. We see this, the redeemed in heaven are described as wearing white robes indicating their moral purity and righteousness, that, that they have been cleansed. Now, um, this is an interesting thought. Uh, will we only have white robes? Um, if you say yes, if you say yes, again, now we're speculating, right? We don't know, we, we, we speculate. But if you say yes, it won't take long for someone to say, you know what? I bet we can find some blue dye somewhere. <laughs> and, like, and like, you got a blue robe? What? How did you do that? Um, so so I, I, this, is, this, is, this might be the case. And, and this is interesting. This is really interesting. Um, there's a passage in, in Revelation that, that, um, that we read on a couple Sundays ago in which martyrs were given white robes, which means they didn't previously have them. So they were, they, and, and, and they, they probably weren't naked. So they probably had other clothing and the white robe was given to them to put on top of, to signify like a special kind of like um, holiness or privilege, right? So will we have clothing in heaven? Probably, certainly at least white robes. Um, and, you know, some of us, you know, like mine will probably be, I don't know, if I find some dye, some, maybe some maroon and gold. With a... Now is that, those are beautiful colors. It's not going to be blue and green. Gross. Heaven is a place. Sorry. You, by the way, you can't leave. You can't leave right now. You have to stay. Heaven is a place of great joy and pleasure for the redeemed. Psalm 116 talks about this. Um, or 1611 says, it talks about um, how, uh, how there is joy and unending pleasure. At God, at God's right hand, like like part of part of heaven is is this unending experience of pure joy. Um, it, it, how do you describe pure joy? Right, that what what's your happiest moment here on earth? What's your happiest moment? Who knows? Right, for us it's probably different different experiences. Um, some might say your wedding day or the birth of your kids. Um, some others of us maybe are more experienced is like when the last kid leaves the house. <laughs> You're like pure joy. <laughs> Whatever, whatever, like pure, whatever that moment of pure joy, maybe it's a reunion of family you haven't seen for a while and like everyone's all in the, your house at the same time and maybe it's like the, the kids and the siblings and the grandkids and you're just going, I don't want this moment to end. I don't want this experience to end. This is just, I'm more content right now than I ever have been. That feeling will be what we experience always <laughs> of just pure joy and contentment. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Can't wait, right? Um, we see this. Heaven's central draw is our anticipation of being with Christ. Part of this is to, is to, uh, is to meet and be with now forever 
our Savior. To meet him face to face for the first time and then to realize this is the first day of many days of spending with Jesus. Um, Another draw of heaven is our anticipation of continued life and ultimate reunion with our Christian loved ones who've gone before us and those who will come after us. Paul writes this in Thessalonians. Uh, he talks about those who have passed away and, and he says, I don't want you to grieve as, those with, uh, as the rest of the world who have no hope. So let me tell you what's gonna happen. And he says, we're gonna, Christ is gonna come and we're gonna meet our loved ones in the air and be with Jesus forever. Uh, so he, he, his encouragement for people, like for, uh, for followers of Jesus who've lost loved ones is that you will be with them again, forever, with Jesus. We'll all be together. Awesome. Um, heaven has not remained the same since its creation, but has undergone, undergone several phases. In fact, it's in a middle phase and it will change yet again. Now this, again, might be like, what? Hold on, I've never heard this before. All right, great. So what the Bible describes as heaven um, uh, has changed and will change yet again. Here they are, ready? The first one is pre-sin heaven. Before Satan fell, apparently taking a third of the angels with him. So heaven before uh, God, uh, the timeline is is a little fuzzy because we're not given the order specifically, but in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. Uh, but before that, clearly he existed and angels existed and uh, Jesus always existed. And, and, uh, and there was heaven pre-sin, pre-fall, pre-this uh, pre, uh, angel who becomes known as Satan before he becomes evil. All right, that is one experienced version of heaven. The second heaven, the second version is now with less angels that fall, that decide to go with him. In Revelation, it, it, uh, there's this um, uh, uh, illustration language in which it says that this dragon took with him a third of the stars out of the sky. And, and we read that and we say, okay, this is, the stars probably represent angels. And, and this dragon is this, is this Lucifer, Satan character. And, and, and he takes a th- potentially then what it seems like a third of the angels go with him. So now heaven, however many angels are in heaven, there's a third less. It's now two thirds of what it once was. And... And now they fight. Pre-sin, pre-fall, angels didn't fight. They were all friendly. Now we see, we see, in, in, especially in the book of Daniel, we kind of give a, uh, gives us a spiritual kind of a uh, spiritual glasses to see what's going on behind the scenes. And we see, oh, oh, angels now are fighting. Now, and, and this is, I'm, maybe you haven't thought of this before. Um, the, this, is, this is a spiritual civil war. That these angels were, Brothers, as I've described, brothers, they were friends. They knew each other. That, that they're probably going, why did you do this? Why could you follow him? And now we get a fight. It's personal, right? So heaven is different now because um, angels now interact with unclean or fallen angels and, and are at war. That didn't exist in the first, in the, in the pre-sin experience of heaven. Then there's the current version of heaven, which is often referred to as the intermediate heaven or intermediate state, uh, also referred to as paradise, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, where believers now come directly into his presence at death. Jesus says this to the thief on the cross. He says, today you will be with me in, not heaven, paradise. He calls it paradise, all right? 
Um, sometimes it's referred to as, as, um, as Abraham's bosom or, uh, or, par- or paradise. Like there's a special, like specific description to the, the he- like heaven as it is right now. And then we see there will be another heaven, heaven yet to come, a- another phase that we haven't, that it hasn't gone through yet. There is a heaven still to come after the final judgment, the new Jerusalem in the new heavens and the new earth, often referred to as the eternal state. We'll look at this further on. Here we go. We, we, um, we talked about this a couple Sundays ago as uh, when we talk about heaven, we're describing heaven and specifically eternal state heaven. The heaven will be in forever, not the, necessarily the intermediate heaven, though there's certainly a lot of crossover. We see this. The resurrection of believers has not yet occurred and will not until just prior to the new heavens and the new earth. Though the present heaven we enter at death is a wonderful place, it is not yet complete. It's not the full heaven. It's not the heaven we'll be in forever. It's still, uh, it's still lacking, so to speak. Not that it's imperfect, but that it's not the final version of what God has planned. The physical creation will be renewed and we will continue to exist and live in it. This is the, again, this is one of the things that, that when you think about heaven, um, that, that the rest of like just culture gets wrong. Right? I mean, the, the popular notion is in clouds and, you know, floating around with harps. And, and, and I, don't know why, I don't know why this is the thing either. It's always like, like, like small, chubby, floating babies. Like these are the angels, right? Like that, the version of heaven is like all these little cupids. Where you're going, who came up with this? Like who thought that, like, this is, he-? like you get up there and you got all these like chubby babies with wings and you're going, I'm in heaven. This is heaven. This is wonderful. Uh, it's odd, but that's not at all heaven. Heaven will be much more of an earth-like type experience that we have now. So the new creation, this is, this is interesting too, will not be timeless, but will include hours and even months, perhaps seasons. Uh, this is interesting. Um, in Revelation chapter 8, um, John is writing down his experience, and when one of the books are, one of the seals are broken, he says there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So he's he's up there going, all right, it's pretty quiet for thirty about thirty minutes. He's like, all right, that's about how long it was quiet. Okay, so time, whatever whatever time is, he's still able to understand and recognize and even measure time, even if it just kind of is himself. Like he's probably not a clock, and he's just like watching. But he's like, all right. It's about, that was about a half an hour of silence. And then we see in Revelation at the end, um, it talks about how, uh, how, there are, um, how there are trees that produce 12 kinds of fruit and they produce fruit every month. And that these, this fruit is the healing of the nations, that, that, there, that trees even have kind of seasonal fruit that bloom and, and produce different fruit at different time. And you're going, oh, okay. So again, that, that makes sense, right? Our understanding of, of agriculture and seasons and how they, like, okay, there's times when there are no fruit and then there's times where it's ready, right? It's in season, okay? Okay, so it, our experience of heaven will probably, like a food will probably be, will, will, will resemble that. Um, we see this, that Christ promised his followers that they would live with him in heaven. That, that we, we will be with him him. Jesus described heaven as having many rooms or dwellings um, and, uh, and promised that he himself would go there and prepare a way for us. 
This is uh, in John chapter 14. By the way, this is a, it's an unfortunate translation. The King James Version says, do you know the translation of this? Mansions, right? And we got songs about it. And, and, and you know, like whatever your understanding of what, what heaven will be like, so much of, of our understanding is, uh, is from that really not great translation. And, and so, so let me help you a little bit, okay? Um, Jesus is preparing something for us, but don't think, don't think that you are gonna have, you know, some 40,000 square foot mansion to yourself. Like, he really loves me. Like, how, how many square foot is this? Oh, 50,000. <laughs> like, oh, wow, you, you got a nice one. We, the real word is room or dwelling. So we have some kind of place that is ours. Now, we'll look at this in a second. Um, this, this also lets us know that there is gonna be at least some level of privacy, that you'll have your own place, that it's not just like some communal living and you're just going like, it's not like summer camp and you're just, you know, this like a million bunk beds all lined up and you're just going, wow, it's loud. Like, you'll, you'll have ideally your own place. Like wonderful, right? I mean, summer camp forever. By anyone, have you been to summer camp, by the way? It's great for like three days. At day seven, you're going, I'm ready to go back to work. This is that nice. And you know, the smells are that wonderful. When we are in heaven, it may be possible for us to welcome others into our dwelling places. Jesus talks about this, and he says, um, he says uh, we, I think we looked at this on Sunday as well, that he says, use your worldly wealth to make friends for yourself so that they will welcome you into eternal dwellings or eternal rooms. Here's what he's saying, like, use your money, use your resources to, to like invest in people and relationships so that when you're in heaven, they're like, oh, we have remember you. Oh, wonderful. And, and, and they may even invite you into their place, their dwelling, their, like whatever that looks like or is, like you can be, come on in. Awesome. Wow, okay. We see this. Uh, what do we know about heaven, uh, about our experience in heaven? All right, here we go, ready? At, sin, uh, at death, the spirit leaves the body. Ecclesiastes says that, uh, that um, dust returns to dust and that the spirit returns to God um, from where it originated and, and goes either to heaven or hell. Luke 16, Jesus tells a story about um, Lazarus and a rich man and, um, and, uh, and goes through, like it, it's very, very specific. We'll look at this on, in a couple weeks when we talk about hell, um, it, the, like Jesus' description of both of these places. Um, but this seems to be the case. When you die, your spirit leaves the body, this physical body, and goes to one of these places. And, and eventually, and eventually at the resurrection, everyone gets a new body. But in the meantime, you have kind of like a temporary body, all right? Um, there's an intermediate uh, conscious existence after death, both in heaven and in hell. And again, there's a ton of references um, that you can, you can look up. So whatever our experience is um, that, uh, of heaven or of hell, that, that people seem to be conscious of it and to know their experience and to be aware of what's going on. Um, we see this. Uh, there is no, there's no description of soul sleep or period of unawareness preceding heaven. So in 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, the same passage that we were talking about earlier, um, Paul talks about those, uh, I don't want you to be ignorant of those who have fallen asleep. And so people will see that and say, oh, well, this must be some kind of like 
uh, eternal sleep or at least a temporary sleep until the resurrection. So they're just, they're just, their spirit is asleep and they call it soul sleep. Um, but this is just a euphemism for death, describing the spirit's departure from the body, ending our conscious existence on earth. Um, so this is the idea of soul sleep. Uh, soul sleep is that when you die, your, your soul goes on pause and you wait until the resurrection at the end in which you then get resurrected and then you become re, like conscious or aware again. There's a lot of issues with this, a lot of problems uh, theologically and biblically. Um, here's to name, name, I'll name two. First, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, so when he says, no, no, when, you're, when, you, when, you, when you leave your body, you go into his presence. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a delayed state, but you go into his presence. Um, um, we see this too, that Jesus, when he's with the thief on the cross, we looked at this, we said this earlier, if you remember, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Not in a few millennium you'll be with me. And, and, it, and, it, and it, it does, the, the response, that usually the, the kind of rebuttal is like, well, yeah, but he's, you know, he's not gonna remember that it is the next day. And so for, for, for the thief on the cross, um, when he wakes up, it will be today. It will feel like today. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus, referencing time, says, no, 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 today. Not it will feel like today or in a little bit, you'll experience what it will be like. He says, today, today, we're gonna be there. You're, we're gonna go, in just a few short hours, we're gonna go there. So um, when we talk about soul sleep, this is a, a, a fun conversation, interesting conversation to have. And we can, by the way, by the way, uh, I don't want to offend anyone. If you believe it, if like your, maybe your theological kind of background um, uh, leans into this idea of soul sleep, hey, great, you and I, we're still on the same team. We're still family. We're on the family here. We can disagree theologically about certain things. Um, and uh, in, um, uh, so um, if that's you, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Next one, the names of Christ redeemed are written in heaven. This is uh, often referred to as the Lamb's Book of Life. This is... This is, the only, this is the only book you want your name written in. Like this, this is the thing that of, of, any, of, any, like of any place your name could ever be written, this is the one. This is the one that you want. Not like, like loan documents or bank statements. They got your name and like, oh, this is my bank account. This is my home. Who cares? I want my name in the book of, like the Lamb's book of life is the only place that it truly like eternally matters. I want my name in here. And we see this. Uh, when in his presence, Christ will give new names to the righteous known only between him and them. This, again, implies some level of privacy. Okay, this is interesting. So again, your homework, just go look these up. This isn't, you know, this isn't Brandon making something up. Um, there, there uh, in Revelation, it talks about how Jesus gives new names to people known only to him and them. That you get a new name. And, and, and again, this, 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 um, uh, um, it implies privacy, but it also implies intimacy that like you and Jesus have a, like a secret special relationship that no one else has. That, that you and him have a way to relate that he'll call you a name that no one else gets to know. Like, yeah, he knows me. He knows me, like everyone else knows me as Brandon, but he knows me as my true name, Bob. Or I don't, whatever name he gives me. I don't know if that name, like, how cool, like, I, you probably don't get to pick your name, um, and it'll, and like, I hope, I hope it's Hebrew, it's like a, a Hebrew name, you know, or if it's like, you know, 
uh, hey, you, you know, everyone knows you as Brandon, but I'm going to call you Brendan. And you're like, okay, come on, we can do better than that. Like, I want to be, you know, like some like, anyways, let's move on. I've got some ideas of like, Lord, hey, if, you, if, you don't, if you need some ideas, I've got some names that maybe, you know, I would love to have. Um, the wicked, those whose sin remain uncleansed by the blood of Christ will be excluded from heaven. This, again, is a departure from kind of common, the common like cultural conception of heaven in which everyone goes there. And, and like if you talk to just the, kind of the, the, just the, the, the guy on the street, hey, what do you think about heaven? And do you think you're going to go there? Oh, I think uh, heaven, yeah, I believe in heaven. I believe in God. And uh, yeah, I'm a good person. So yeah, I'm going to go there. I, and then they'll say this. I haven't killed anyone. So therefore, I feel like I'm a, I'm a good person. I feel like I'm a good person. That God, I'm good enough to get there. That's the, that's the mentality that most people have. I'm good enough to get there. Because... Again, the low bar is I haven't murdered anyone. All right. Well, again, we read the Bible and it has nothing to, like that, the bar is not murder. The bar is sin. Any sin. You have to be sinless. Raise your hand if you're sinless. Shoot. Okay. That's the problem. It's why we need the gospel. The gospel is because you are sinful and the only way to become sinless is for Jesus to, to, to literally do all of this for you. To pay the penalty of your sin so that God can say, all right, the punishment, the wrath that was supposed to go on you went on him. So now I, you can be forgiven and washed and cleansed. Welcome. Welcome into heaven where you will continue to be sinless. But it isn't because you earn it. You can't earn it. Uh, we see this. Christ's resurrection body appears to be the prototype for our own heavenly bodies. Uh, Paul talks about this, that, that, uh, that the perishable will be raised imperishable. And we, he says, we will be like him, like Jesus. So what do we know about, um, about Jesus's body? Let's just, go, just shout it out loud. After the resurrection, what do we know about Jesus's body? His, his, like when he's resurrected and they experienced him for 40 days, you remember this? You guys remember this story? in the Bible. Have you, ever read, have you ever read about his resurrection? Do you know about the... Oh, he ate food. Yes, right? Like what we did tonight, we get to do forever. Like awesome, right? He ate food. Okay, good. What else? He appeared suddenly and it says in a locked room. He appeared in a room with locked doors and just showed up and it was, and they're like surprised to see him and going, whoa, 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 how'd you do that? Okay, again, now we speculate, okay, Jesus has this new resurrected body that's also a spiritual body, but also a physical body. And somehow he can pass through physical walls. Okay, do I get a pass through physical walls? <laughs> like, huh, who, who knows? But like the Bible is like goes out of its way to tell us, hey, the doors are locked and somehow he appeared. Maybe it's, uh, again, he's traveling in between dimensions and he goes from spiritual to physical and, and just shows up. Who knows? But like, okay, that's different. That's different. Okay, what else do we know about Jesus's physical body or his resurrected body? I'm sorry? Okay, he, he decided to keep wounds. Like, like he had holes in his hands, which means, which means he was recognizable. But at the same time, it tells us, like the Bible tells us, that they didn't recognize him, that he, he kept him, them from recognizing him on the road to Emmaus, and they're like, they're talking with Jesus, and they don't even know it's Jesus. And you're going, how can you 
not know it's Jesus? So, so he, he both looks different, but also the same. And, and like the disciples recognize him, the, certainly Mary and the ladies recognize him, but also like there's a level of he's different, but, but still similar and, and recognizable that you and I will, will still be recognizable. Um, though like, uh, so let's just think logically. Okay, ready? Let's think mathematically. Um, don't do this out loud. Just in your head, think of your current age. Don't say it out loud. We don't want anyone to know. How old are you right now? All right. Now, um, let's say you and I, let's say you and I have, um, have only known each other for uh, a year or even five years, right? That means I've only known you at your current age for the past five years, maybe. We'll go, we'll go 10. We've moved here 10 years, which means, which means, if somehow, if somehow we get to heaven and, you know, new bodies and, and you're probably like, Lord, I want the body, not of my current body, but like, you know, perfect redeemed body. Um, like what age will that be? Uh, um, do you want to take a guess at what age, like what age, it, like the best guess? Did you say 45? 25. Okay. Well, great. So, uh, so we don't know. <laughs> that's just the answer. We don't know. How do we know? Um, uh, uh, ideally, so like this is the, this is the, ah, this is going to offend you. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, uh, biologically, our bodies are at peak, like peak performance and peak body, like before they, like where they're, they're continuing to grow and develop and then the decline starts. And that happens at about, uh, again, I'm so sorry, 29 and a half. Once you're 30, like, you know, we say over the hill is 40. No, 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 it's 30. <laughs> At 30, you start to climb. So, so some theologians theorize, all right, well, our peak body is probably right there at age 30. Jesus was right around that age. And like when he was resurrected and got his body. So we might all look 30. And you're going like, awesome. Awesome. And like, and like a perfect 30. Not like, you know, how you were in 30, but like physical fit, like, Adam and Eve 30, where you're going, all oh, right, I, I, like, this is great. I don't have to work out at all. This is awesome. And, and so here's what that means, ready? If that's true, again, we, we're speculating here, right? Um, if that's true, then, then you and I won't recognize each other at our current age. I know you at age 40 or 50 or 60, and, and like you at age 30 is going to be, look at you, like, oh, wow, I didn't know that was you, Right? I didn't recognize you, even though that is you. We'll have those moments where you're going, oh, wow, right? That's pretty cool, right? Do you remember your spouse when he or she was 30? Yeah, all right. That's coming back, baby, that's coming back. All right, let's move on. You're excited, you're like, oh, sweet, I can't wait. I can't wait to get there. After his resurrection, Jesus, uh, he emphasized he was not a ghost, a disembodied spirit, but had a physical body. You and I will have a physical body. As much as you can like feel your flesh and touch, like you, like you will have that. You're not just like a spirit like floating around like everywhere, cloud to cloud, you know, between the floating babies. And like, that's not, that won't be heaven. You'll have a physical body. In our resurrected state, we will have a real, real spiritual bodies with physical substance. We'll be capable of talking. Jesus talked will be capable of walking, of touching, and being touched. Do you remember this? He tells the disciples, and specifically Thomas, come feel my hands, feel my wounds, put your hand on my side. Okay, so, 
So we'll be able to shake hands with each other and, and maybe hug each other and like, and like okay, to, to like physically touch and embrace and, um, and uh, like with your family and stuff, you'll be able to give your kids a hug still and like awesome, all right? Um, it, but think about this too. This could be weird. You're, again, we speculate. If everyone's 30, like your son is 30 and you're 30, and he's probably taller than you. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, like you were, you were just a little guy or whatever, right? Like all of a sudden, whoa, all right. Like, but we'll be able to walk and touch and be touched and talk with each other. Um, we saw this, Christ ate food in his resurrected body. Um, he cooked breakfast. He made fish for the disciples in his resurrected body. And he, will be able to, um, and we, he and we will be able to eat and drink in heaven. Yet, yet, there's no hunger or thirst. Here's this cool, Ready? That means we eat and drink for pure pleasure. <laughs> like food is just it's like calorie-free, sugar-free, fat-free, but like all the flavor, and we're just going, oh man, how much, how much can I, I'm, I'm full. No, I can still eat some more. Like, oh, like it's not, there's not starvation where we're just, it's just we're eating for the enjoyment and the, the experience of the company we're with. Hmm, awesome. Okay. Um, at death, the believer is ushered into heaven. We see this by angels. Again, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus talks about this, and we'll go, in a couple Sundays, we'll look specifically at this passage a little bit more in depth. Um, so, angels have a part in this. And then here's a weird one, too, um, uh, that Jesus talks about. And this is, well, here we go. Well, you tell me what you think. Um, some angels are assigned to children and have special, continuous access to God. This is where, um, where a lot of the, this is where the idea of a guardian angel comes from, is that, uh, that uh, when Jesus talks specifically about, about children, he says, don't you know, he says, don't keep these children from me. Don't you know they're like, they're like possessive, their angels are continually in the presence of God. That, that somehow Jesus seems to, at least for children, seems to be saying that they have specific angels assigned to them and that they continually talk to God, so don't you mistreat a child. Hmm, okay. Now, I don't know if those angels continue to be with us, if you have an angel, or if at a certain age, he's like, uh, I've done all I can do here with this one. <laughs> like, I need a new assignment. Look, look at the Lord, I tried. I tried so hard. Angels, angels have, uh, have a role in interacting with us. Um, we see this uh, throughout scripture. Again, we can do, we'll probably do another first Wednesday on angels sometime soon, but, uh, but this is interesting. And they'll be the ones that, that usher us into heaven. And it may even be the same angels who were like kind of involved in your life that you don't even know about. And also now are the ones that, hey, we haven't met yet, but I've been watching you for a while. In fact, like all those close calls that you had, I was there, I helped you out. Like, you're the reason you live so wrong. Like, I'm the one who kept you alive. And here we are now. You did that dumb thing, and here we are. Like, I couldn't, couldn't save you from everything, but, but who knows? Uh, okay, what will heaven be like? In heaven, we will worship God along with the angels and redeemed people from every race and background. So, every tribe, tongue, and nation is a part of this. In heaven, we sing praise songs, We'll sing along with the rest of God's creation. 
uh, will, uh, I'm guessing, I'm guessing it'll sound good when we sing. <laughs> I'm hoping it'll sound good when we sing. Uh, it doesn't necessarily saying we will sing well, <laughs> but like we will sing. And, and, and like, um, I, in a little bit, we'll talk about what this experience might look like too. Um, communication, dialogue, corporate worship, and other relationship building interactions all take place in heaven. And you look at Revelation, all of these things like are angels interacting with each other and angels interacting with John and John interacting with angels and, and, and seeing all of this happen. Apparently, saints, angels, and God will all interact together, building and deepening their relationships. Uh, John, when he's getting this, this, uh, this vision, this, this revelation that he writes down called Revelation, he grows in his understanding. He asks questions and gets answers from angels and they give him insight um, and, he, and, uh, and, and, um, and he has emotional reactions to it and he, some things he doesn't understand. And so again, if this is gonna be our experience, we will learn and grow, but also not fully understand and just go, I still don't understand. And they'll say, ah, that's because you're just you know, a dumb human and you've got a lot to learn. You've got a lot to learn, okay. So um, in heaven, we will exercise not only intellect, but emotion. Angels too seem capable of responding with emotion. God certainly has emotion. He's the author of emotion and experiences emotion. You and I will experience emotion, namely at least joy and love and, and peace will experience all of these things. Heaven is described as a place where there is great rejoicing over what God is accomplishing on earth. That, that, uh, that even angels rejoice. Rejoice. They experience the action and the, uh, the, ex- the, uh, the activity of joy, of rejoicing. In heaven, we will have eternal rewards, permanent possessions and positions, which vary from believer to believer. And there's a whole bunch of verses to look up. Uh, we'll talk, uh, I think we'll talk a little bit more of this uh, about this on, on Sunday as well. But, uh, but you and I, we, we, have, uh, we can and should look forward to rewards. Um, Jesus says this in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount. He, stored, he says, store for, store for yourself treasures, not on earth, but treasures in heaven, right? Store for yourself treasures in heaven. He says things like, like great is your, if you do this, great is your reward in heaven. Hmm. Anyone who's lost this for, the sake, for my sake and the gospel is gonna get it all back and then some. Oh, okay. So whatever the rewards are, we, like Jesus is preparing rewards based on what you do here on earth. Heavenly rewards are promised to those who endure difficult circumstances out of their trust in God and to those who persevere under persecution for the faith. That specifically, those who are reward, like those are uh, people are rewarded for uh, for how they live out and endure the like literally live out their faith in in difficult experiences and circumstances, um, and especially in times of persecution or or trial. Okay, all right. So um, when we when we think about uh, people who have literally died for their faith, martyrs, oh, they get a different kind of experience, different kind of reward, right? That's the ultimate. The ultimate uh, sacrifice you can make is to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel, all right? There seems to be a specific special reward for those who, who do that. Um, so what will, heaven, what will heaven be like? A life of godliness and compassionate obedience will be richly rewarded by our Lord. 
This, this seems to be true. And again, this should be seen as a motivation, not as, as certainly not punitive, but um, how you, like the amount of compassion you have for people will affect what you experience in heaven. So should you be more compassionate or less compassionate? Oof, more, I mean, that's like a no-brainer. Now, are you more compassionate or less compassionate in life? You don't have to answer that, right? I want your spouse to answer that. Okay, ready? Spouse, answer for your... <laughs> you're like, oh, no comment, no comment. <laughs> how, we, like, how we interact with people and our compassion for people matters. When we extend hospitality and give a meal to, the, to those uh, who are poor or incapacitated to pay us back, um, Christ promises us, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You remember the passage where, uh, where Jesus is talking about those who, uh, he says, those who, um, who visited, uh, who um, uh, fed those who were hungry and visited those who were in prison and clothed those who were unclothed. And yeah, you did that for me. And they're like, when did, when did we do that? And he says, whenever you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And you will be repaid richly for that. Oh, hmm. how you treat other people matters. Salvation and rewards are different. Now let's talk about this. What we're talking about are rewards, not about salvation. This is not earning your way into heaven. If I do enough good things, no, no, no. That's not at all what we're talking about. Uh, Salvation is God's work for man given as a free gift to which man can contribute absolutely nothing. Ephesians says, by faith we are saved, right? By grace through faith. It's not a work of our own that we could boast. Rewards, however, are man's work for God. So salvation is what God does for you, and you can't do a thing to to earn it. Rewards, though, are now how you respond to that salvation. What you do with this now, this salvation, this, this acceptance of the good news. Now, what do you do with that? That now is rewarded. Uh, Salvation is dependent on God's faithfulness and mercy, while rewards are conditional, contingent as well on man's faithfulness. We're told in Scripture that some make it in, but by the as 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 though barely escaping the flames. That that some make it to heaven, just barely. That they they put they had their faith in Jesus, but that was it. And then others others are given all kinds of extra rewards and and uh, and. uh, and, and described as having an incredible faith. Uh, we see this in accordance with, their, with our service for Christ while on earth, we will reign with him in heaven. We will judge and rule over the world and we will judge and rule over angels. This too is interesting. Uh, probably not ruling, judging and ruling over the good ones, probably judging and ruling over the ones that fell, the ones that that, that did rebel, somehow we have a part to play in that. Which, which might also be why they hate people so much. Why they want to ruin our lives. Because they know one day people will rule over them. All right, well until that moment, we're gonna, we're gonna make their life a living hell. Okay. Hmm. Um, all right, what about the New Jerusalem? Now, okay, I know we've been having fun, but now let's have real fun, okay? 
The new Jerusalem, what is this like? At the center of future heaven, this is now the eternal state, it will be this uh, city of new Jerusalem. This what it's referred to as the city coming out of heaven, this new Jerusalem. Um, here's, oh, oh, oh. the exact dimensions of this heavenly city are measured by an angel and reported as 1,200 stadia, which is 1,400 miles. And it's 1,400 miles, this is what's interesting, cubed. It's 1,400 miles wide and long and high. So here's the deal, okay? Let's look at the size of this. The base of this city is over 2 million square miles and would stretch from the West Coast to the Mississippi River and from the borders of Canada to Mexico, covering two-thirds of the landmass of the U.S. All right, this is, a, this is one city. Here's, here's uh, by the way, quick geography lesson. This is the United States of America. Do you recognize this? You recognize this? We live over in, you, you, you guys know where we live? <laughs> You're like, duh, of course. Uh, all right, here, here is the new Jerusalem. Ready? That's the size of this city. Not of this nation. Not of a new country. Of a city. One city extending over nearly the entire United States. So like, you give someone your address and you're like, oh, I live over here on this side of the city. You're going, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go a thousand miles to get to you? All right, hey, I got time. <laughs> like, here we go, right? I mean, the size of the city is, is unbelievable. When you think of 1,400 mile city, as long as it is wide, this, is a, this, this can house a lot of people. That's a very large city. But you remember this, it's cubed. So not only is it 1,400 miles wide and long, but it's 1,400 miles high. Here's what that would represent. By present standards, that would be a, about 740,000 stories. So if you think of like a 10-story building, a 50-story building, all right, a 740,000-story building, that's what we're talking about. Okay, all right. This is large. This is quite a city, okay? Uh, it is apparently within this vast city that we will have personal dwelling places in which Jesus prepared for us. So it's like, all right, here's your part of the city. Here's your, here's your like area, your room. This is your hotel. This is your floor. Hey, I got you a nice, a nice view. You got a killer view of, of the whole place, of the whole city. Awesome, yes, right? Okay, here's the size of the city. This is the earth, by the way. This is the size, like, this is quite a city, right? When John sees, says he sees a city coming down out of heaven, it's, it's, you can't miss this. You cannot miss this thing coming down, this thing that, that's the size of, almost the, the size of the United States, and, and it's as tall as it is wide. All right, so here we go. It's 1,400 miles wide by 1,400 miles long. Here's the, the area. By the way, this is how you... Uh, quick math, quick math, you multiply those together to get the surface area. All right, so it's 1.9 million square miles. 1.9 million square miles, all right? That's, but that's just the base level. That's just the bottom floor. That's just the size of it at the bottom. But again, remember, it's 14 miles or 1,400 miles long. See, okay, the Earth's land surface is 57 million square miles. All right, so it's... Uh, it's about 2 million square miles. Earth is 57, all right? So 
Obviously, it's smaller than the surface area of the earth. But there's, we talked about this, 740,000 floors, potentially, right? Again, we're doing quick, we're, we're just uh, spitballing here. We, we, no one knows the exact dimensions of every, every floor of this thing. But, but okay, it, this is livable space somehow, all right? So there's 740,000 floors, potentially of 2 million square miles each, right? If this is a one large cube, it probably isn't a cube. Some theorize it might be a pyramid because a cube would collapse on itself. And again, we're trying to do math as, as like humans, but again, I think God is capable of keeping the city from falling in on itself. Like if it's a cube, he's like, you guys, you, okay. I think I can manage how to build something here, right? So, all right, that means the potential New Jerusalem land surface is uh, what, what is that? 1.4 trillion square miles. And, and the earth was, what did we say it was? 57 million? Okay, okay. I'll, I'll give you time to write that number down. It's going to take you a while. It's a lot of zeros, right? When you think of the, 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 the possible amount of space in this city, that's what we're talking about now. We're, the, we're theorizing on, on the, the possible size of this thing. That means the New Jerusalem is potentially... 25,000 times the size of the earth. All right, so you think of the landmass of the earth and this new Jerusalem is potentially 25,000 times. All right, so can this place fit a large number of people? Probably, probably. I think the Lord knows what he's doing. Um, So here's the deal. This isn't in your notes, but you can write these down. This is uh, free of charge. The estimated number of people in history, not of Christians, of the entire human race from the beginning until now is about 100 billion people. Again, we theorize and we estimate based on, you know, on, on anthropology and the current size and population trends. And, all right, so ballpark figure, about, about 100 billion people. All right, if every single person was in heaven, which we know that's not the case, but if every single person in the history of the world, made it to heaven, they would each get 14 and a half square miles. If every person that's ever existed made it into heaven and, and we're in this city, you, you, you would get about just under 15 square miles just for you. Now, that doesn't mean you, like God's got a ranch for you, but like, all right, there's plenty of size here. There's plenty of size to fit every single person who's ever lived. Okay, Bend is 33 square miles. Here's what that means. Ready? You could potentially get half of Bend just for yourself. <laughs> You're like, come into my dwelling place. <laughs> like, and, and, and like, you know, you pick which half you want, right? Like, oh, I, got, I, got, I, I definitely want, you know, the, 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 the river with the rapids. That's in my part. Like, that's in my 14 square miles. So, so when you think of the size of this, like, how is everyone going to fit in this city? Oh, We'll fit. We will easily fit into this New Jerusalem. Um, heaven's New Jerusalem is filled with magnificent beauty, including streets of gold, buildings, and, and gates of pearls, emeralds, and precious stones. Um, Revelation 21 uh, and uh, 20, 21, 22, especially 21 and 22, talk all about this. It gives you a description of this place. Um, if we had time, we'd read through it and just, and just sit and just enjoy and just 
just imagine what it will be like. It talks about having 12 gates of 12, um, um, yeah, uh, and, uh, of 12 different foundations and they're made of 12 different stones and we're given the stones and each gate's of a pearl, one single pearl and, and we're given the, the width of the wall around the city and this wall is 200 feet wide and you're going, this is really specific. For something that, we're, that we, I think in our, in our minds we think, oh, well, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Wow, the Bible sure is specific on what this place will be like. And we're told that it's got streets of gold and then it says it's transparent, almost like glass. And then we're told that there's no sun because the glory of the Lord will light this place up. And, and so we don't need a sun and, and that light kind of just comes off everything and everything just sort of illuminates and, 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 and just uh, magnificent colors and beauty. And, and you're, it's just, oh, okay. We're told that there's gardens and there's trees and that they bloom once a month, um, different fruit, and that, that eating of these trees and, and, uh, is the healing, it's called the healing of the nations. Somehow there's healing properties or maybe it's the thing that like, allows us to like, live forever and, and like, oh, all right. It's describing this city very specifically. Heaven has light and water and trees and fruit. And we see this, the heaven, uh, heavenly city's gates it says, are always open and people will travel in and out, some bringing wonderful things into the city. That this is just, that this city isn't all that there is. This means that travel outside the city suggests that the city is not the whole of heaven, just merely its center. That this entire city that we're talking about isn't all of heaven, it's just the center and we can leave. You can go and explore and experience the rest of whatever is on earth and then come back. Oh, let's, let's go back to town. You go back to the city. Hey, let's go, on, let's, go, let's go explore this part of the world today. Awesome. All right, we can. We see this. This is great. In heaven, we will eat and drink at a table with Christ and the redeemed saints from the earth, communicating, fellowshipping, and rejoicing with them forever. This is our experience of what heaven will be like. So at your tables, here's what we're gonna discuss. First, what did you learn about heaven tonight that surprised you? Something that you maybe are going, I didn't realize that. Uh, number two, what about heaven are you most excited about? The thing that you're like, oh, I can't wait for this thing. How should the reality of heaven motivate you to share the gospel and how can you live each day with a mindset focused on heaven? Okay, at your table, we're gonna discuss here. You're gonna chat. And, and, and you probably won't get through all of these, but these are just options at your table. You, you, you may say like, oh, let's do question number three and we'll discuss that. Um, so at your tables, you're gonna discuss. And first, introduce yourselves because I'm sure we don't all know each other. Introduce yourself really quickly. Um, and then... Uh, will you just decide on as a table? All right, you know, let's just, uh, let's do number one. What surprised me was this. What I'm most excited for is this. Um, or, or maybe there's another question. All right, here's the rule though. Ready? This is not a monologue. All right? So if, uh, if you're talking, great. Give yourself a couple minutes. Let someone else share. If, uh, if I leave and come back and you're still talking, you can't come back to first Wednesday, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but... Around your table, allow for good discussion. And, uh, and if there's anything, questions that come up, you're like, ah, oh, I don't know, write that down, and then we can have some good, fun Q&A here in just a minute. So uh, for the next few minutes, introduce yourself, and uh, feel free to discuss any or as many of these questions as you can. Ready? Go. Holy, holy, holy. 
if you don't know who needs to start, pick the person closest to 29 and a half. Got it? Whoever that is. <laughs> Drums and boys making noise at the top of their lungs. Beautiful chaos shatters the calm. But oh, thank God for this country song. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I've got so much to be grateful for. So much to be grateful for. 
Praise you forevermore, even if I never get one more. Praise the Lord. The moon's on the rise, and river she runs. And all I can say is, Lord, I will. Pull her in closer and pray for the dawn. God bless this mess and this country song. Cry as a light. All right. Good discussion. Good discussion. Hopefully, we trust. Okay. Um, here's the here's the deal. So now we do uh, we do some fun Q and A. So we have we have two lovely assistants here with microphones. So if you have a question um, or your table and you want to represent the question on behalf of your table, just throw your hand up and they'll come over. And then and then uh, when I call on you. Uh, make sure you speak into the microphone so that everyone else can hear your question uh, and then uh, we'll have some fun. Okay? Sound good? All right. First question here. Go for it. Okay. So it's kind of twofold, if that's allowed. Yeah. Ask it and I will decide midway. Okay. Um, so I'm curious how with the fall... If heaven is without sin, what led that to getting entrenched in heaven within Lucifer that caused him to make that fall? I know it was kind of like a power struggle situation, or maybe I don't know that. That's an assumption. Um, so yeah, how did that intertwine itself into heaven? And... Would we have that decision? Not saying I would want to make that decision, but if they were able to make that decision, do people eventually make that okay. decision? Okay, have you thought about this before? Anyone? Yeah. Maybe now for the first time you're like, ooh, she got him. All right, I will not allow the two parts now that I have heard the question. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Uh, okay, <clears throat> here we go, you ready? So heaven... Uh, heaven uh, uh, in phase one of heaven, right? Pre-sin, there is still the possibility of sin, obviously, because Satan sinned and was cast out, right? 
Um, we're also, we also, we make this assumption too, that it was a one-time deal, that we assume it was one fall, but we're, we're not actually told that. Uh, it, what seems to be the case is that it is still possible for angels to fall because we're not told that they can't any longer, nor have they been saved by the blood of Jesus like you and I have. It doesn't apply to them, right? So, so uh, angels can choose to, um, to fall away or to, to sin and they get cast down. And that happened way back when. And, and, and it can potentially, and depending on how you read certain passages, might be subsequent fallings as well. Um, there's one guy, his name is Michael Heiser, and he writes extensively on about this, about this, and he's a Hebrew scholar, uh, a believer, certainly, and he's passed away now, but um, he wrote a lot about this. And he actually talks about, um, he says that we get, and, and I'm, I'm not sure where I fall on this, um, I still land on the traditional understanding, but he says, revelation is future, and so even this dragging, taking the third of the stars, is a future event. It's a future falling away of, potentially, of angels, that we apply to pass, but he says, this, is, this might be another fall that's still coming. So, so angels in heaven, um, it, there's, there's, nothing, um, there's nothing preventing them from sinning, right? Because it, it's happened. Now, the, the follow-up question, well then, how, how do we fix that? And how do we know we won't? This is probably, again, this is the, the, the best explanation is, it's the reason why we need a new heaven and a new earth. One now that's been redeemed because of the sacrifice of Jesus where, where sin can be punished and now dealt with. And the new one is made and we are remade in such a way that, that we no longer are, um, are prone or desiring of sin. Does that make sense? So, so what was, uh, what was um, made imperfect becomes perfect. The current heaven, again, assuming that this line of reasoning you know, stands, um, a current heaven won't prevent potentially sin, so God makes a new one in which it is, it is now made perfect because of the sacrifice of Jesus. That sin can now be punished and dealt with and, and, and officially forever done away with. Make sense? Great question. Who wants to follow up to that? Okay. Is that a good answer? Oh, Andy did this. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. How do you eat and drink? Okay. Good question. Good question. Still learning? Are in you still learning? In heaven. To... Um, in heaven? Um, it will probably be how you eat and drink today. Same way. It's air. Give her the, she can ask a follow-up. It's, it's kind of, it's like in the air of the sky is where it is. So how, how do you eat? Like, where do you get the food from? Mm, good question. Okay. Where do we get our food from? All right. Um, I, so what we're told is that there will, at a bare minimum, there's fruit trees that we get fruit trees, right? And maybe I, I again, I, we speculate probably some broccoli. Does that sound good? <laughs> sound good? Nope. You're like, Oh, I don't want to go to heaven. Uh, what, broccoli forever. All right, Lord, come on. You couldn't do better than this. Um, so, so there's at least, at least we know that there's fruit trees, right? So there's fruit, like actual fruit, like, you know, whatever your favorite fruit is, 
there'll probably be, there'll be fruit better than that. So we'll at least have fruit. Um, we uh, will probably have certainly more than just fruit. Like you say fruits and veggies. I mean, as good as that sounds, there's probably other food there. And, and we'll be good at learning how to make it. I imagine we'll probably over time, like prepare dishes and cook and, and design new dishes, a new way to eat, you know, fruit. They had to do this. With, um, you remember um, uh, back in, uh, in the Exodus, they had what's, what's called manna that fell from heaven. Right? And it was called this, this bread-like substance. It wasn't bread, but it was kind of bread-like manna from heaven. So ideal, potentially, manna will be, whatever manna is, came from heaven, could be there in heaven that we'll also be eating. And there's plenty of ways to eat, to eat manna, right? There's manicotti. <laughs> so, right? There's banana bread. You, do you like bana- banana bread? Okay, okay, enough. That's all right. All the dads in here are laughing like, yeah, nailed it, nailed it. So, so to answer your question, there will be physical food, physical food that we will eat with our physical bodies, your physical teeth, and you know, you'll be able to actually taste it, and it'll be so good, so delicious. Okay, great question. Do I see a hand? Okay. We need a microphone. Oh, here we go. Hey, Pastor Brennan, thank you for this evening question is about relationships. You talked about recognizing people or being connected and having relationships. What about family, marriage, when there's no male or female in heaven? What, is, what does a relationship look like for us? Because we've been living on earth as families. Um, is, is your question if, if one spouse isn't in heaven or your question like, well, we won't be no. married, so what will it look right, like? Right, right. What will relationships look like when today's society is based on families, which at the heart of it is a man and a woman as a couple? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we talked about this on, again, a couple Sundays ago. We, we looked at this briefly. We'll probably address it again on Sunday. So the Bible doesn't ever say that we won't have those relationships anymore. What we're told is that we won't be married like we currently are on earth, like in a, in a, in a, you know, a legally binding marriage. But it doesn't say that you will not know your wife anymore or that you'll forget you had kids or that you're like, you know, walking by them and you're like, wow, you look, you look just like me, right? Just a strapping, good looking, wow, you're strong. Okay, you, oh, turns out you're my son, right? It, it, it won't be like that. So you'll still, we'll still know people. Um, again, the evidence we have, again, is that Jesus says, that, that use, like, use your worldly wealth to like, invest in relationships because when you get in heaven, they'll recognize you and be able to welcome you into eternal dwelling. So, so we'll recognize people. You'll recognize that like, the relationships you have will continue to grow stronger, but it will be different. So it won't be, it won't be mom, dad, married um, with the kids living in the other room down the way, but you'll still have those relationships and you'll still know them and and. Um, and and continue to grow and develop and, and invest in those relationships and, and certainly more relationships. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. So you won't, it's not like you get to heaven and it's like a mind wipe where you're going, oh, I don't know anything of my past life. No, no, no. You will remember a lot of it, maybe most of it. Okay, question. Do you think that loved ones in heaven can see us on earth like currently? Maybe. Next question. Um, okay, so the, the, reason, the reason I say maybe, um, there's two. 
there's two passages that at least come to my mind right now that, that, seem, to, that seem to be like allow us to view what's going on in a place that we aren't. So what, what we see, and we'll, again, we'll look at this in a couple of weeks with, uh, with Jesus and Luke, um, Luke six, when he, when he, Lazarus and the rich man. Um, they're able to, like Lazarus, or the rich man's able to see into heaven potentially and see Lazarus and he's like, Lord, just let him bring just a drop of water to my tongue. And, and, and so like, okay, again, this is part of this is story, but it's also very specific. Like Jesus is given very specific details that are, are describing this, what he calls this great chasm or great divide that you can't cross over, but yet they can recognize through it somehow. Um, and, then, and then we see this in, in Revelation, these martyrs who were killed, who, who are asking the Lord, how long until you avenge us? Because... You haven't yet. And we recognize that you haven't yet. That the ones that killed us are still free and running around. So, so when I say maybe, it's not, like, it's not like they're sitting on a cloud just watching you in your daily life like, oh, man, great job at work today. That email you sent, nice job. I, it's probably not that. But, but can they see activity on earth? Maybe. Maybe. Um, how much? And, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, who knows? Who knows? Does that help at least give biblical, like a, a biblical reason why we would say, okay, that seems plausible. Before we just say, no, absolutely not. There's no way they can see what happens on earth. Well, we, we seem to have at least a little bit of, of evidence as to why that would, might be the case. Okay. Yes. Well, we have our animals. Can you put it a little closer? Well, oh. we have our dogs and animals okay, up in Okay, take heaven. the mic away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> the question, the question, will we have, did you see she changed that? Will we have animals? And then it was, will we have dogs? So uh, first of all, I like the change. I like the change. I'm a dog guy. Um, so the question, so, um, okay, two questions. Will animals be in heaven? And then the second part, which is probably what you meant to ask, will our pets be there? right? Not just will animals be there, will my animals be there? Like that's the one, I don't care about anyone else's animals. Um, uh, okay, so uh, a few things. First, um, uh, animals have always been a part of God's creation. So the logical conclusion we can, we can like, like where our mind can go is to say, well, it would make sense for him to include animals in the, whatever, like the new earth experience. We see that animals exist in what's called the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ, on, like, in, in which, which is a whole other thing. But uh, it talks about how the lion and the lamb will lay down together and, and that the lion will eat, will, uh, will eat straw like the ox so that they won't eat each other. But they'll eat probably, they'll all be vegetarians, which is also, this is the hard part. This is hard for me. It also means we might be vegetarians. Lord, just make it taste like steak. I don't care if it isn't steak. Give me a steak fruit. You know, like this is a steak apple. A steak tomato. Huh? Huh? Right? Um, so, uh, so will animals be in heaven? It would make, it, it, there's no reason to say no. We see this, and this is figurative language, but also it, it's like, okay, but it's, it's also like descriptive too. Jesus comes, what is he riding on? He comes out of heaven riding on a horse, riding on a white horse. Now, that it may be figurative as like, uh, you know, him as a conquering king coming on a stallion, but also like, okay, he might actually have a horse. Like when it says horse, like it didn't have to say that, 
but he comes riding on a, on a horse. All right, so the lo- again, the logical conclusion is there's at, least, there's at least one horse in heaven, potentially, right? All right, there's, that means there's probably more. So, so our animals in heaven, again, it's probably, there's no reason to think that he would create, like his creation would exist here and on earth, he makes, you know, this wide array of animals. And then he, you, like, for, and then in heaven for, forever, he's like, uh, actually, you know, undo. <laughs> Control, edit, delete. Uh, no, we're, no more animals. It would make sense to say, no, no, no. In, it, like our new experience of new heavens and new earth probably m- mirrors this one more. And it's a redemption of creation, not an erasing of creation, which would include animals. All right. So redemption of creation, not erasing it. All right, so there's probably going to be animals. Now, now, the follow-up question, will my animals be there, right? Certain ones. <laughs> right? No, I, I um, okay, the biblical answer for will pets be in heaven, it, the, the, the straight answer is we don't know. We're not told yes or no. So it's hard to make a definitive statement either way. Now, if you were to ask me, Will they be there? Best guess. I see no reason to think that they can't be. I see no reason to think that God can't go, oh, you know what? You know what will make heaven just a little bit better? I brought your dog with you. <laughs> like, oh, sweet, right? All dogs go to heaven? First of all, not all dogs will go to heaven. They're like some, some, they don't get their ticket punched. They're, they're disqualified. They're disqualified. So will, will, will pets be there? Um, Maybe, but if animals are there, even if your current pet isn't there, there's no reason to say you can't make a new one, right? Like, oh, horses will be there. This is my horse, right? And, and like, here's the cool thing. There's no more death. So like, this is always my horse. All right, great question, great question. Okay, yeah, we've got like a lot of questions left. So, so. so there's no sorrow and crying in heaven. So what about our family members and stuff that don't make it to heaven? Are we not gonna think of Mm -hmm. them or not know them or not care or what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so a a couple things. Um, Sorrow and pain will be dealt with, but but we aren't told that there's no crying. In In fact, we're told the opposite. What we're told is that it says that when we get to heaven, he will wipe every tear from our eye, which means we are crying. And then we're comforted. So we, I think we will experience some, some very hard emotion. We'll experience a lot of regret of, of like how we lived and, and, uh, and oh God, I, wow, I can't believe I did that. I'm so, I, right? And I, 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 don't, I don't deserve this at all. We'll experience, you'll experience that. You'll experience, at least initially, the like, woe is me, I'm a, unclean lips and I don't deserve to be here. The kind of the the Isaiah experience where it's going, whoa, 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 I have no right being here. Um, And then, and then it says he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. So we're going to be crying. I'm going to be, we're all going to be just like, I, as as great as we think we did, we, we were lived sinfully and, and, and not even close to the standard that we know we should. So he'll wipe every tear from our eye. Now, it's a different question of what, what will we remember? Um, we will remember relationships. Again, going back to the, the Lazarus rich man thing, Lazarus and knows the rich man is there and, and vice versa. Um, the, uh, the, the martyrs who are in heaven, they remembered that they were killed. 
They have negative memories, yet it doesn't cease to be um, heaven for them. So it isn't like having a, a bad negative memory or, or thought or, uh, or, or, um, or experience somehow ruins heaven. In fact, it, the opposite is true. We will forever be reminded of a negative thing when we look at the, the scars of Jesus. We'll remember our sin and that he died for us, uh, which will be a negative, that's a negative event. The crucifixion of Jesus is a, is a, like in the world scheme of things, it's a negative event that we remember and we will remember. So, so we will remember things that, that are negative and, some, and they will add to our joy and our appreciation for the grace of God, right? I, I can only be appreciative if I remember that I needed it, that I was a sinner in need of salvation and, and he did it for me. So for me to remember I'm a sinner, I'm gonna have to remember some bad things. Will we remember family members who aren't with us? Potentially. Again, I, there's no definitive what this verse says. Um, but there's, there's no reason why we would tend, because we can have negative memories, including like these, these, um, these martyrs who remember being killed and who was who killed them. Um, we can have negative memories of people. Um, and, 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 and we probably won't just forget people who were a part of our lives who, um, who aren't there. It's not like we're just gonna not remember certain people. Um, and somehow that memory will still not, uh, not ruin heaven for us. We'll still remember and know the justice and the righteousness of God that, that, that he does all of this justly. Okay, all of that will exist somehow all at once. And how that works, we'll, we'll learn together. We'll learn together. Okay, we've got like 73 more questions. So I have the mic. Uh, let's, do, let's do two more. And then here's the deal. If I didn't get your question, I'll be here. We can chat one-on-one and certainly I'll be as, stand as long as you need. So, so Brandon, you talked about how we're going to worship with every nation and tribe and tongue, right? Everybody, yeah. all believers from all the world. How will we communicate with each other in a when I assume we'll still speak? Yeah. But we all have our native language, and we don't understand other people's native language. Will we have a special heavenly language, or will we? You know, I've always wondered if we would speak in our native tongue, but that person would automatically understand us in theirs and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that- yeah. Okay, okay. So again, we, we're not told specifically. Um, uh, okay, but here's, our, here's the, here's, here's, let me take a shot at this, all right? Um, John heard them speak in his native language and he wrote it down and they spoke in his language, not in English, right? It's a translation. Um, uh, and, and so... So it's it's so there's there's two options, um, and uh, I don't know which. I have a guess, but it's just a guess. Um, the first option, like you said, you'll hear and speak your language, and they'll hear and speak theirs, somehow, right? Google Translate will be will be inc- will be perfect in real time. So so it may be that you know you speak and hear English, and you can speak and you'll speak in English, and they'll hear you know. Spanish or Mandarin or whatever it may be. And then they'll speak in Spanish or Mandarin and you'll hear it in English. Or, or there's a new language that we get, that we know, right? Uh, Paul talks about if I speak the, in the tongues of men or of an angels. Okay, so again, it, 
we're making some assumptions here, that maybe there are angelic languages too, a heavenly language that we then get to speak. Hmm. Okay. Um, I tend to think on the former because John heard his language. It wasn't a new language. And he wrote down, and, and he's told specifically, write down what you hear, right? And so he wrote down the words that he heard, which were in his language. Great, great question. Okay, last question. And then uh, we can still uh, certainly chat. Uh, by the way, uh, we'll continue talking about heaven on Sunday. So uh, you have to come back. You have to. Yeah. Brandon, great overview tonight on heaven. Um, and you referenced Paul uh, through, throughout the evening. Uh, can you either help me clarify or better clarify what he meant when he wrote up um, that, uh, that he was caught up in the third heaven? Oh, so what, okay. I just need your assistance. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, you just want to know what, he, what, he, what it was? Go on that. Did, did that uh, equate to the eternal uh, state that you were talking about, that third heaven uh, in the early discussion? Okay. Uh, we, don't, we, know, we don't know much about what Paul experienced because he didn't write it down, because he was told not to. So what, we, what we're told by Paul, Paul writes down, he says, I know a man who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Is what he says. And he's talking in third person. He's talking about himself, but he's like, I don't want to be prideful or boastful. Um, and he says, I, I, who was caught up to the third heaven. Uh, this is where in Mormonism, they'll say like, oh, clearly there's three levels of heaven. No, 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 hold on. The third heaven is, so the first heaven is referred to in scripture as the sky. The second heaven is the space, like space, like the heavens, the stars and the heavens outside. And then there's a third heaven, which is this other place where, you know, the, where God dwells. All right, so he says, I... Essentially, I was caught up to this third heaven, but I was not permitted to write down what I saw. So we don't know what he saw. We don't know how he was caught up. And he even says, whether it was in the spirit or in the body, I don't know. Here's what, okay, again, what, here's what I think. Now, I'm, so that's what the Bible says. I'm gonna take a, a little bit of a, of a, of a um, some, you know, liberty here to think. I think, I think this was a near-death experience he had potentially maybe when he was nearly killed by someone, right? He was stoned a number of times. It may be, it may be in the beginning of his ministry that God, that God said, um, the amount of stuff you're gonna go through and, and what you're gonna write down is different and specific and, 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 and gonna set up literally for eternity, my word. So I'm gonna give you extra insight just so you know that all of this is true, but don't write it down. It's almost like he needed extra conviction and extra revelation so that he would be able to withstand everything he did and would be able to write down and have that, this much conviction. So, so we don't know what he experienced, what intermediate heaven, eternal state. He didn't write any of it down. He, but he says, I know a guy, I, I was there. And I, I know I experienced it, whether in my body or in my spirit, I don't know but I know this to be true. John was allowed to write it all down. Paul wasn't. So what he experienced, who, who knows? But that's my guess as to the why. And, and also they're like, hey, this isn't for everyone. This is for you, Paul, to know because you're gonna, you're gonna go through a lot. And, and, and you need more than just the road. You, just need, you need more than the road to Damascus for, for more insight and revelation as to, as to the, how this gospel works.
Because he talks about, uh, we're told, uh, you know, that, that the gospel is the mysteries that even angels look into and that now it's been revealed to us. And Paul's one of those guys. So he's like, all right, I got, for whatever reason, God gave me special extra insight. And I, I think um, it was probably because of what he's gonna go through. Make sense? Good? Okay. Hey, uh, we're ending right on time, just like usual, per usual. I always run right on time. Um, uh, before we leave, before I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. But um, when we're done here, make sure you go grab your kids. You've got to take them home. That's part of the deal here. Um, uh, this Sunday, we continue. We continue our series, Heaven and Hell. We'll continue to talk about heaven. And then we'll switch to two weeks on hell. And then next first Wednesday, which is now like in just a few weeks, <laughs> um, we can do this again. We'll switch from heaven to hell. So just like the Bible has some specific things to talk about heaven, wouldn't you know it, it talks about hell also and, and what that experience. So as, as like wonderful and joyful and as like exciting as this is, uh, hell will be uh, that level of like terrifying and, and it, should, it should shake us. So we'll do that first Wednesday as well. Let me pray for us and then we'll officially be done. So Lord, thank you again for your word and thank you that we can know what you have prepared for us and that you love us and that you have prepared a place for us for all of us, for each one of us. If we put our faith in you, we've given our lives to you, we've, uh, the, the, uh, we've accepted the salvation that you offer because of your death on the cross and your resurrection, that you, you say you go to prepare a room, a dwelling, a place for us in this new Jerusalem. Lord, we can't wait, but we also know that us waiting means more people can be there. So help us to spread the gospel so that more people will be in heaven. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thanks for being here. Hopefully you liked it. Thank you, thank you. Next, next month, we'll do it again. Sound good?